I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for updates on podcast guests and lots of live events. Today's podcast has been sponsored by Libro.fm Audiobooks. Libro, L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out the recommendations and curated lists from people like me who know books best and also from local booksellers. You can go on Libro.fm playlists and look at the Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books playlist and go from there. If you enter code Zibby, Z-I-B-B-Y, you'll, at checkout, you'll get three audiobooks for the price of one. So please check it out. Z-I-B-B-Y, three audiobooks for the price of one. I'm really excited to be here today with Sarah Shepard, who's the number one New York Times bestselling author of the Pretty Little Liars series, which inspired the Freeform television series. She has also written other young adult books and adult novels, including The Lying Game, also a show on Freeform, The Perfectionists, and The Heiresses. Her novel, The Elizas, has been optioned for TV development as well. Her latest book, Reputation, came out in December of 2019. She also produced Crown Lake on Brat TV graduate of New York University with an MFA from Brooklyn College. She currently lives in Pittsburgh with her husband and children. So welcome, Sarah. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. This is Sarah's first podcast. I'm so honored. (laughs) I am so, I love podcasts so much and I love this podcast. So um, this is like a great first podcast for me. I'm going to go really easy on you. Okay, please. It's going to be very gentle. Okay. Warm and nice podcast experience. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I want to talk about so much, but let's start with your latest book, Reputation. Yeah. Tell listeners, please, what this book is about. So Reputation, um, I write a lot of YA, but this is a book that is more in the adult space. And um, it is about a college enclave in... uh, the Pittsburgh area, which is where I live right now. It's a very prestigious school, and there is a hack that happens to everybody that sort of works at the university. So whether you're an administrator, whether you're um, associated with, like, the hospital, the university hospital, whether you're a student, your emails are kind of seized and put on this server and um, for everybody to see. So... From there, it kind of follows a couple of different characters in different parts of this school and kind of what they are hiding and what this hack reveals. And, of course, there's a murder because it seems like there's a murder in all of my books. Um, what's, what's that about, by the way? I know. I know. I wrote a whole essay about it. Actually, if you were lucky enough to get the copy um, that was for sale in the airport at Hudson News, I wrote a whole essay about kind of like why I was drawn to writing about murder so much. And there really is no reason, um, <laughs> except like I just have, was always kind of obsessed with that genre growing up. And and I just find like plotting out sort of murder mystery thriller novels just really um, interesting and kind of a puzzle to figure out while I'm writing it. And there's like a whole bunch of anecdotes in that essay. And and hopefully I'll put it up somewhere else if um, if you can't get that 
particular copy. But anyway, so the so the book just it follows um, a bunch of different people. All of the characters are women. They're all sort of dealing with different things, but it mostly centers on these this family, the Manning family, and these two sisters named Kit and Willa, and their relationship and kind of what they're going through and things that they're hiding and suppressing and secrets that come out. So that is that in a nutshell, but there's a whole lot more to it too. And I'm looking at the book right now and I'm like, this book is not very thick. It's like there's a lot packed into, there, there is <laughs> there's a lot. a lot packed into not very many pages. But that's great. Yeah, I guess. I'm like, wow, this is, I, yeah, it was, it was a fun book to put together for sure. And what made you write this story? Like what, the, especially the email hack part. Yeah. Is this just like a worst nightmare scenario and you were like, well, I mean, let me explore it? I always think about worst nightmare scenarios. That does seem to be a starting place for me of like, what is, what would be the worst thing I can imagine happening? And, you know, having emails exposed, I think everybody can relate to that. Mm-hmm. This particular book, I thought about and kind of conceived the idea um, around the time the Sony hack happened. Mm -hmm. And I read a lot about the Sony hack and how everything was sort of dumped on the server. And I sort of modeled the the way that this hack works after the way that that hack worked. And how, you know, some of the executives and and actors and whatever and just their personal details were exposed. Like things that they never thought people would find out about them. Mm -hmm. Like embarrassing things, you know, personal, like, you know, hygiene sort of things, like silly things like that, like not even affairs and whatever, but like what they're buying on Amazon. And it's just kind of like so much, you do so much with your email and you, you know, there are so many different things that your email tracks. You don't kind of realize how much of your life is in there. And and it was just like an interesting thing to kind of imagine the different ways um, that people can be exposed and then what can happen from that. And even in the trash, Mm-hmm. Oh, that, for sure. For sure in the trash. I was reading this book. I was like, not that I have anything to hide, but I was yeah. like, maybe I should just like empty my trash. Totally. Right. Because somebody, yeah, because somebody is kind of, his his bad deeds are mm-hmm. sort of discovered by emails that he threw away. And I have tons of emails that I throw away. And, and I just think about, you know, emails that you dash off, like just kind of being snarky about somebody else maybe you work with or a friend or whatever that you never that you're writing to somebody else, you never think anybody else is going to see it. Um, or just kind of personal details. It's just, you know, it's it's hard to imagine somebody kind of trolling around looking at all that stuff and then using it against you, which some people do in this, in this book. One time somebody wrote me thinking they were writing someone else, but it was mean about me. Mm. So... Ever since that happened, which I like have obviously not gotten over because I'm still talking about it like many, many years later, I am so careful yeah. with my email. Because yeah. you just never know. And I'm always like, am I writing the right person? Oh, which, yeah. I wish I also still mess up all the time in my, you know, as we rush, right? Yeah. All these things. Well, and writing on your phone too, like writing emails on your phone, you know, I always will hit, you know, accidentally reply all or something. And that happened to me too. Actually, I, it wasn't even that mean, but it was just, it was, I think, actually about book promotion years ago, and I thought I was writing it to one person, but I was actually writing it to the publisher. Oh, no. Kind of saying, like, I don't think they're doing enough or something like that. And then, you know, and then I felt so bad. Although it was true. I did really feel that way, but I just, like, it was yeah, not intended. Them to- for them. Oh, no. 
And I always think about texts too. I mean, I think I'm even, uh, you know, some of my texts to certain people are not super nice about other people. <laughs> it's like, it's fine in the moment and you don't really mean it, but you don't want the, the wrong person to see what you're writing, you know, because sometimes it is just heat of the moment kind of feelings needed to get them out and... I'm going to do everything I can to stay on your good side. So yeah, right, not, right. Like, sending all these nasty texts about me. <laughs> right. You. Oh, she was terrible. That was awful. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What ever. a terrible experience. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I wanted to do this thing. It might not work, and it might not be funny <laughs> at all. And I know the question when I even brought it up was totally confusing. So you have a scene in the beginning, which I really enjoyed, between Kit, who is married, Patrick, we don't know at the time anything about him, right. really, but we find out later. And they, he says to her in this bar where they're both on a work trip, answer my questions the way you would want your life to be. Mm-hmm. Not anything true. This is all just made up but about your life in general. And so they have this whole conversation where he answers, like, where would you want to live? And he'll say, something, he said, not Morocco or some, someplace mm-hmm. far away. And she said something else. So I wanted to ask you a few questions, but you can only answer the way, not the truth, but the way you would want it to be. Okay. Let's see how it goes. If Let's see how it goes. If okay. it's terrible, I'll delete okay. it. Okay. Okay. Where do you live? I live um, in a beautiful house in Los Angeles. Ooh. Yeah. And what do you do for a living? I, you know what? Honestly, I can't even lie about this. I love what I'm doing for a living, so I can't even say I'm doing something else. I had all these, like, funny things that I wanted to do when I was a kid, and they were, like, totally out there, like, be on a soap opera. Um but I am honestly kind of doing what I want to be doing. I mean, maybe I'm like also writing movies and I'm also taking over the world and and have a podcast and have like all these things. But, you know, that would be maybe me embellishing it. But like I've written 30 books and over it's pretty awesome. And, yeah. yeah. So like I'm a writer. That's, <laughs> that's all, I, that's that's all I could say. That's the best yeah. answer. How <laughs> nice for to just. Yeah. I mean, it's a I'm I'm very fortunate. It's a great. It's a great life. I mean, it's hard, but it's, there are many hard things about it, but it's also like, I can't imagine doing something else. Like what are some of the hardest things? Um, You can vent now. No, no. The hard things are, um, you know, you, it's, it's not like a steady job where you go into an office and you get a paycheck and you, you know, so it, it is kind of like, you always have to be thinking, okay, what is my next thing? What's my next book going to be? Or what's my next project going to be? And you I sometimes get a little bit panicked if I don't have a good idea. And, um, or if I'm in the middle of a book, which I'm actually just finishing a book. And when I was in the middle of it, I was like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> and I don't even know if this is good. And what am I going to do? And, you know, you have all these sort of panic scenarios. And I worked through it. And writing the middle of a book is terrible anyway. But there's a lot of self doubt. And then you have to deal with like Instagram or not Instagram. Um, Amazon reviews and mm. Goodreads reviews and like, you know, but you develop a thick skin. But like, regardless, it's it's a great thing to be doing. And it's just such a like, it feels like a hobby, but it's also a job. And it's like, it's a really, well, I'm very happy about it. How did you get into publishing your work to begin with? I was living in New York and I was working at... Um, I was working at Time Inc. However, I was not working for like people or time or anything like that. I was sort of working in their like advertising. Um, we did magazines for companies. Like I did a magazine, not me 
but within this department, we did a magazine for the New York Stock Exchange. I did magazines for cars. So I would like, if you drove a Ford, I would make your magazine. So like Ford driver. So I was sort of writing, I was sort of editing, but it really was not what I wanted to do. And my sister, who still lives in New York, was interning at the time at this company called... Well, at the time they were called something else, but they turned into Alloy Entertainment, oh, yeah. the book packager. Yeah, yeah. And she said, you know, and one day I was sort of whining because New York is expensive, and I was just like, I just need, I need some sort of freelance job that is not journalism because I realized I was not a good journalist. I sort of made up te- details. And <laughs> they had to print corrections for me all the time. So I was like, I need a freelance job where I can just like make up stuff. I can write fiction. And my sister's like, you realize my company. They do that. They sometimes hire ghostwriters. So I was like, oh, I need that job. So I crashed their Christmas party with the intern. So like she was the lowest person there, but I'm like, I'm coming to your party. So I came to their party and was like, I need to, you need to hire me. And I was really obnoxious, but they did give me a shot. They made, they had me, yeah, they had me um, do some sample chapters and they're like, oh, you actually can write. And I started as a ghostwriter for them. So I wrote all kinds of, books for children, mostly um, about all kinds of crazy things. Like I wrote about this Japanese girl who was like a samurai fighter, uh, which I knew nothing about, but I had to read all these samurai books. I wrote about um, like this ghost story about, I think it was like Randall's Island or like some sort of workhouse at the turn of the century. And it was like about this little boy. And like, I had to kind of read about like, you know, early 1900s New York. So that was fun. I don't even remember what else I did. I did, and then I started doing a couple of YA books, and they said to me, would you like to try to develop your own series? And I was like, yeah, okay. And I kind of thought about what I wanted to do, and and, and sort of Pretty Little Liars came out of that. Had I had no idea that it was going to sort of blow up to be the thing that it was going to be, but I just kind of wanted to write my own thing, and I was really excited to do that. So that was sort of my introduction. It was like all, doing all this all this ghostwriting and kind of kind of meeting the right people. And this is back, you know, in two thousand five, two thousand before actually two thousand five, where it felt more important to live in New York as a writer. I don't think that's true anymore. Um, getting to know a bunch of people in publishing was a good thing for me. And then, so. what was it like for you when Pretty Little Liars took off? Like, what was that whole experience I mean, it was crazy. So the first, you know, there were seven books that I had written in the series before I found out that there was a pilot and that ABC Family liked the pilot. I had, like, sort of a following of of readers, which was great. And this was back in the day of, like, MySpace, where I would write, (laughs) I would, like, write, you know, post some, like, teasers of, like, the next book on MySpace. And so I just was really happy that, I had gotten to write seven books, and I had just um, sold, like, a new series called The Lion Game. So I just was like, this is great, and I was really happy. So it was a complete surprise when they called me, because also when you option your work, you don't really have much to do with, like, the Hollywood side of it. So I really didn't didn't know what was going on. So when they called me, I was very surprised, saying, okay, we have a pilot— uh, ABC Family, they're going to shoot it. We're going to cast soon. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then it was just sort of a whirlwind because they sent me over pictures of people they were casting. I was kind of like, oh, these don't look like the girls in my book. But then I watched the pilot. Like, it was amazing to watch the pilot because they used lines from the book, the first book. And I was just like, this is weird. <laughs> um, and then then, like, I met, the, like, the cast, and then they started shooting the whole series. And then, so then it just became this, like, 
it was a crazy experience. It was really fun. And then it was it was really great that um people liked the show. And then that brought new readers in and that was and that was really fun. I mean, the whole thing was just like kind of hard to imagine that it actually happened. It was great to see, you know, this silly thing that I sort of had in my head and come to life and like buildings at the, you know, Warner lot, like were named after, you know, the Rosewood High School and whatever. And it was just like, oh my God, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's, it really is. There's no, even telling it now, and this was like 10 years ago when this all happened, it's still like, did that happen? <laughs> um, yeah, but it did. It was it was really fun. And it that was, and that series was sort of based partially on your mainline Philly growing yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, definitely the locations, definitely the characters. I certainly never had a stalker or knew anybody who had a stalker. You know, nothing traumatic like that ever really happened when I was growing up, but you know, that's where you just sort of imagine and but a lot of the other situations did sort of happen you know the more the more kind of grounded things that mm-hmm. happened to the characters and that was what you know that was a lot of fun to kind of explore a lot of the things cuz i think cuz all the characters were going through you know different things whether it's like you know identity or kind of like you know sexual you know awakening or um stuff with parents mm-hmm. or sort of like who I, who am i and you know what do i want and so that you know it was just it was fun, and especially as, like, a first novel to use so much of, like, where I grew up and what I went through was, like, a really fun experience. I feel like people have such a special place in their heart for your books the way I have for Sweet Valley High. Oh, right. Did you read those? I was not allowed to read Sweet Valley High. What? I was not. My mom was a bit—she still is. She's a big reader, a huge reader, like most of my book recommendations I get from her. Okay. And growing up, once I was old enough to read kind of chapter books Mm -hmm. and beyond, she just was like, you're reading adult fiction. (laughs) Like, so, which had a lot of, you know— pretty adult situations in it, yet I was not allowed to read Sweet Valley High. I think she just found it, like, trashy. (laughs) Like, and now I go back and read that. I'm like, they weren't. They, I don't know. But instead I was reading, like, The Joy Luck Club and The Prince of Tides and, like, whatever was popular sort of around when I was growing up, um, which I loved. And I, it's okay, I think, that I I missed out on Sweet Valley High because I read a lot of, I was allowed to read Judy Bloom. Mm. So that was, like, that was more of my kind of formative young adult from Judy know, Bloom to experience. Amy Tan. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I just sort of jumped, jumped to that. So I'm, I'm a little sad that I didn't get to read Sweet Valley High, but, but yeah, and it's not too late. It's not too late. Yeah. I have read a few since then, and I don't remember which ones. But, <laughs> um, yes, I know that they. I, I do love. Speaking of being grounded, um, you had this really funny quote, which made me feel like I knew you, which it probably is not true at all. But um, Willa is talking to her sister, Kit, (laughs) and she tells her sister that she lives in L.A., in Venice specifically, because she loves to surf and that surfing grounds her. And then Kit Kit replies, I never know what people mean when they say something grounds them. Right. Which I felt like you were poking fun at. So, yeah. I was poking fun at that, like, kind of lifestyle of, you know— of LA, of like you know where where everybody's spiritual and has their like healing stones and like whatever, <laughs> and Kid is much more cynical and and kind of like practical and kind of like, and she's also you know these are two sisters who were very close, and then her you know one of them took off and like basically doesn't really see her family so much anymore and and I think she the older sister Kit who remained 
you know, back mm-hmm. where they grew up and is kind of looking after their father and um, kind of taking over at the college and all these things is a little bit resentful in a way that, like, she kind of took off and is also confused by Willa's life because she's she's not married. She's not, like, following the same track that that kid is following and doesn't have the same priorities, I guess. Like, they're they're very different, and it's it's, you know, it was fun to kind of see them— Kind of poke at their differences, but also come back together. Um, do I do I know what that means? I mean, I, like, do you do you feel like things ground do you? Things ground or at me. Least, like, keep, keep you calmer. Like, what what are, what do you go to when you're feeling totally stressed? When I'm out? feeling totally stressed, I'm a runner, so I do I do run a lot. So that's that's very helpful. I would say, yeah, just like sort of being outside. So I do I do sort of understand like the surfing and the like waves and the cold water and the getting out there and paddling. I used to surf too. Okay. Um, not well. So I so I do understand that, but I would say, you know, either running for sure reading, mm-hmm. just relax, just like lying in bed and and reading and, or like taking a bath and reading, kind of like a lot of things with reading. Um <laughs> even when I'm running, I am listening to a book. So oh, I would say wow. for sure books books are the things that that make me feel calm and relaxed. And when yeah. you're when you're writing, where do you tend to do that? Do you like to write at home or do you go out and about? No, I have an office. Um, it's, I mean, it's surrounded by books like this office, though not as neat. Um, but it's at the top floor of my house and it's, I don't hear my kids as much, but I, you know, have a big screen, like kind of probably the same computer that you have. And it is kind of the best place for me. I used to be able to write anywhere on trains and coffee shops on the plane. And lately I've just, I've, I can't do that so much anymore. I also feel like when I'm ever, whenever I'm on a plane and I'm trying to write something, the person sitting next to me is like, "What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. What, what, are you an author?" And then you're like, "You have to get into that." And it's fine, but it's like you're trying to work. And I don't know. So mostly, I just write at home. Yeah. And you mentioned you were in the middle of another book now. I am. Can you talk I am about that? Just finishing it. It is another. It's another book for adults. Right now, it is called. Um, safe in my arms, but I but I don't know if that will continue to be the title. It was kind of the working title. I am not good at titles. I feel like uh, it takes me a long time to kind of figure out a title, and often titles are suggested to me, and I'm like, that's good. <laughs> um, it's just it's not my it's not my kind of strength. But it is yeah, it's another thriller. It is another worst case scenario where like there's this sort of assault that happens at your at a nursery school or a kid's nursery school and like it's just sort of chaotic and there's all these scandals. It's kind of like a school scandal Mm -hmm. book and there are, you know, it's about three women and and they're all sort of hiding something. So this is like sort of, I'm always seemingly writing about people that are hiding things and then how the things are exposed, (laughs) but it's a kind of a different way that they're, that they're exposed. So I am just about done with it. I think I'm going to send it to my editor like next week and I have um luckily I have an idea for the next book too Ooh. which is like suit I actually have an idea for two more books which is usually doesn't happen but I kind of came up with this other thing too so I also have um a a YA book coming out in June and it I wrote it with a young influencer and it's about sort of the world of influencers in LA, teen teen influencers, yet another murder mystery. And uh, it kind of gives an inside look into what being an influencer really is. And it's not always very pretty. Hmm. It seems like fabulous and like perfect, of course, 
but it's not all the time. So that is coming out in June, and I'm really excited. Um, What's that called? It's called Influence. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited to kind of do some events for that, and yeah. And her name is Lilia Buckingham. She is the um, co-author, and she's really great. Do you have any advice to aspiring authors? Um, you know, I, I think just keep at it. I mean, try to crash a Christmas party if you can. <laughs> try to get in there how you can. I mean, I, I just think persistence. I have been rejected many times. And, you know, even as a, an author of many books, like, I will, I will pitch ideas to editors and they will reject, you know, you, you have to kind of get used to rejection because it's going to follow you through your life. But also, you know, read as much as you can and write as much as you can and, and don't be afraid to kind of show your work to people. Because so, for so many years, I was afraid to show, you know, anybody what I would write. And, um, and I think, you know, a critique is a good thing and kind of it, it helps you learn. And, but yeah, I mean, I think just, just keep at it. And a lot of people ask, you know, like you're sitting down and do you ever get writer's block and what is that like? And and I think to kind of keep from writer's block, you just have to kind of keep going. You have to keep writing. Even if it's bad, just just get something out. Just type something. Um, you can always fix it later. I have many, many days where what I write I feel like is terrible. But then I come back the next day and it's like, oh, well, I did at least write like five pages. So, you know, that's something and then I can fix it. So, you know, I think a lot of people just sit down at the computer and think, okay, my my first sentence needs to be perfect and my next sentence needs to be perfect and they don't they can be terrible but it's you just have to get something there and and yeah that's kind of how you build a book it's not always fun <laughs> but you just have to keep doing it awesome well thank you so much how did thank it go you. the first podcast it was you survived great. Okay. i did it yes did it. it was great thank you so much okay. your questions are awesome oh, thank so you. <laughs> all right well congratulations on finishing one thank you <laughs> and, uh, thanks for coming on all right take care You've been listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. Please make sure to sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com to get more updates about episodes like these and also lots of live events. Thanks to Libro FM for sponsoring today's episode. Remember to go to Libro FM, L-I-B-R-O dot F-M to get your next audiobook, support a local bookseller, and enter code Zibby for three audiobooks for the price of one. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. 